the geek. We got the geek is recorded before a live studio audience. All right, it's Jay Stu, and I'm here with the lovely Sarah J. Hi. And let's talk about the Andrew Devoff panel. Let's talk about it. So. This is one we were looking forward to because mm-hmm. he was originally supposed to be at Frightmare yeah. in 2019, but had to cancel. Yes. So I was excited about this guest because I know him from a bunch of things. Uh, yeah. Air Force One. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, which uh, lost. We won't. We won't talk about that. So I was very excited when I got the call to uh, host this Q and A. Yes. And. Uh, I guess he's best known for a film role, The Wishmaster. Yes, he plays the Jin or Genie. Yeah, so I hadn't seen it. I figured <laughs> this was going to be the main reason he's uh, doing the panel at a horror con. Well, yes, that would be it. And I watched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember what I said about it? You said you loved the concept of the story, that it was a really good idea. And, and concept, but it was very gross. Yes. And, yeah, and I agree. I And you know what? I love horror movies, and sometimes, like, there's, it, it can get a little too much for me as well. Um, but, like, the movie was good. Yeah, it was pretty decent. I, yeah. I might even someday watch Wishmaster 2, because he was in the second yes, one. Yes, he well. was, yes. He wrote the third one. Yeah, he co-wrote the but third it never one. got made. No, it did not, which is sad, because yeah. I think that would have been awesome. So he was very nice. And the panel was very cool, very interesting. He was he very, was very funny. Like- he was funny. He was well-spoken. He was, he was absolutely, just an, like all the other guests, an absolute delight. Like, he was just fantastic. And, you know, so courteous and so um, just... Just a wonderful, wonderful gentleman and human being. So two things to look for in this panel. Yes. First of all, he does a wonderful uh, impression of the Wishmaster. He gives a speech at one he point. He does, and he he had everybody close their eyes. And being an actor, I understand why he had everybody close his eyes. Because, I mean, it's one thing to to watch him do this voice, but it doesn't have the impact or the effect. If you if you close your eyes and then he speaks like the Wishmaster, you can imagine the Wishmaster in the room with you and not Andrew Devoff. And that's that's just the magic of imagination and and living truthfully under imaginary circumstances and and the magic of of acting and play and it was great he was so cool <laughs> and uh there's also um, listen for his thoughts on working with harrison ford because yes. it was really interesting and yes it's uh it actually shows what a nice guy harrison ford is yeah you know i mean because he people are like oh he's so grumpy but he is actually a very sweet human and uh, and getting to hear that firsthand from Andrew was just wonderful. You know, it made me really respect and love Harrison Ford even more. So here it is, without further ado, the Andrew Devoff panel. Enjoy. Uh, yay! Welcome. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. A few questions for you before the audience has some. I was wondering um, how it was you came to uh, realize you wanted to do acting for a profession. You know, um, when I was a when I was a kid, so I was born in Venezuela, uh, lived there till I was ten. Mom was uh, was Irish, Dad was Russian. I don't swear, got no sense of humor, don't drink. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> so I, you know, I was a very introverted kid. And, uh, and uh, was razzed and uh, the subject of a little bit of bullying down there. Uh, in Venezuela, there's an expression, uh, uh, it's, uh, so they say monsieur, and of course that's a bastardized version of monsieur. And, uh, and it's for anyone, it covers everybody who's not from Venezuela. And so I, I went through my stuff, and, and that, that further made me crawl into myself, I guess. But I always knew and I always sort of fantasized about 
coming outside of my shell and, and how do you do that other than getting up and reciting poetry or, or, or doing a scene, a, a, a skit. And so I, I always knew that, uh, that there was something in there that I wanted to bring out, that I wanted to uh, sort of show off with. And so, so acting seemed to be a natural. Nice. What was the, the first acting job you ever had? So um, really the first job I ever had was when I told my mom that I lost my report card and that actually there, there were a couple of A's on it. Uh, that uh, I, I didn't get very very good reviews for that, <laughs> suffice it to say. Um, and so I, I uh, when I came to uh, to California, I went to school out east in in, uh, in Washington D.C. And then after after I realized that, uh, so I had gotten into uh, Georgetown University for languages and linguistics. And, uh, and was awful at math, couldn't do math at all, and then come to realize that linguistics was essentially a breakdown of language into formulas. And as soon as I realized that, I knew I was in the wrong place. So I, so I, uh, I, I bowed out, uh, went out west. My father was retiring. He had uh, uh, headed up. Now my parents divorced when I was, uh, when I was quite young, about five. Um, and so he retired from Goodyear in Venezuela. He was running Goodyear. Uh, decided to to retire in California, and uh, and got himself a condo in in uh, in Malibu. You guys remember a show uh, Rockford Files? Yeah. That was that was filmed right out on the beach across the road from my dad's uh, uh, condo, and and so uh, it was kind of cool to be able to go to that beach and, and and see the place it was filmed. And and so little by little, um, uh, he said, "Well, will you help me move into the place?" And I said, "Absolutely." figure and I'd, I'd get to crash on the couch in Malibu and you know get to go to the beach not a whole lot of that happened but uh, <laughs> I ended up getting a job as a limo driver and and in my spare time I decided you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and bite the bullet and take acting classes and so I took acting classes uh, my very first job was a was a sort of a, a, a song and dance thing I could neither sing nor dance <laughs> But uh, but I did the uh, I did the the text of of, uh, of this character's uh, uh, role and, and and they were impressed and they said uh, we'll we'll figure out the the singing and the dancing well we never did so so I again I had to I had to bow out and and then so come to uh, I'm driving a limousine and there was a show called Thirty Something I don't know if you guys remember that I my agent called me and said you know it's a shame. Uh, they won't see you because you know my agents weren't weren't big enough to be considered for this particular role, and I said, well, let me know where the casting people are, uh, and I went in and they were looking for a Russian limo driver, so I went in. I had a car uh, and, uh, and I showed up in a limousine and in my suit and with the accent and I and I introduced myself and I I gave them a card and uh, lo and behold I got the role and and really it's only me in the in the mirror. Um, you can see the eyes, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my, I'm doing my Russian accent and so forth. So, so that was my my big break. After that, uh, kind of, um, I, I was lucky enough to be an extra in uh, the Hunt for Red October, and I was on the Paramount lot, and I kept hearing about this biker movie that they were going to be making. And at that point, at that time, it was only it was called uh, Biker Movie. That was the working <laughs> title of it. And of course, it was another forty-eight hours. And I and I, I just, you know what? I one day I decided I took my my eight by ten and I and I went ahead and pinned it. I found out where Walter Hill's office was, and I just pinned my my, my photograph to his uh, to his wall, with no other information, <laughs> like 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 a fool thinking, well, that should do it. Um, and and and. Uh, Oddly enough, and, 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 and I was so grateful, uh, he followed up and found out that I was working on the lot, and, and, uh, and I, got myself, uh, I got myself an audition, and I, I did the audition, this would have been about November, I would say 12th, 1989, and we know what was going on over in Berlin at that time in Germany, and I was due to get on a plane with my best bud that night uh, going to Berlin to be at the wall. And I was, in fact, uh, you know, I, I was one of the first guys that night uh, to, to climb up to the wall. And, of course, after a, after a few German beers, you, you're pretty much fearless. You can do whatever <laughs> you think you can. So I'm on top of the wall, and as I, as I, as I crest the wall, I look over, and I see, this, I see this young guard. 
and he shoots into the air. I, I didn't know that he had shot. I heard the sound. I was seeing him, and everybody behind me on the wall and, 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 and my friend saying, climb the hell down. My friend, incidentally, William Forsythe, you may know him. Oh, wow. and so uh, so a couple of people had dropped out. He called me last minute, and he said, do you want to go? And I said, man, I, I have this audition. I, I don't think. He says, it's a red eye, dude. You can do your audition, and, and we can go. So we did. Uh, and he was uh, he was screaming at me, and there were some other people saying, "Get the hell off the wall, man!" The guy did—they're shooting at you. I said, "Nah, they're not shooting at me." And uh, and so next I see I see this guy's uh, uh, commanding officer come out, scream at him, and then they leave, and there there's nobody on the other side. So, uh, long story short, I got back from there, and my first big break was another 48 hours. Nice. And so I got to uh, when I came back, we did uh, we did makeup tests and so forth, and. I remember sitting in the makeup chair, uh, and I and I uh, I, I, I said, uh, okay. So I, I I called I called my wife because I knew that she had a cousin who was a chip, a, a, a California Highway Patrol motorcycle rider, and and so the the casting lady Jackie Birch had said to me, assuming that all Harleys are choppers, she said, do you do ride a chopper, right? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm thinking, oh my! I, I had only ever been on a on a Honda. I had a Honda 450. I uh, used to do. Uh, I worked as a courier while I was at school at Georgetown. I'd take passports and documents that were that were sealed. I'd take them out to Dulles Airport. And so I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember the the gear shifting pattern. So I call my wife and I say, "Could you put me in touch with your cousin?" So I call him and I say, "On, on a Harley, is it is it one up and 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 two down, three down? What what, what the hell, you know?" So so he told me, uh, and then I go, "Good." And they said, "Well, uh, the the motorcycle test is going to be in about ten days." While I'm sitting in the makeup chair, Alan Graff, the stunt coordinator, comes in and says, "Okay, we got your bikes outside, guys. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do that test today." Now I'm freaking because this is I hadn't gotten the job yet. We're doing the makeup test. So I figure, okay, what the heck? So, so we're, we go, we go on a street right behind Paramount, an alley, really an alley. It was called Van Ness. If you're ever in Hollywood, uh, check out Van Ness. And he's saying, okay, and there are cars parked on both sides of the street, and it's basically, it's, I mean, you couldn't really call it a, a, a two lane. It was a one and a half lane road. And he says, okay, you're going to go down there and do a U-turn and come back. I mean, even the best, I realize now. The best Harley driver couldn't have done a U-turn on that street. So uh, uh, David Anthony Marshall, who did get the, the, the other bad guy role, uh, God bless him. He, so he goes down, and, and he's starting to come around, and the bike goes down. And, uh, and uh, being the, uh, the the cruel bad guy that I am inside, I'm saying, yeah. Because <laughs> I thought we were both going for the same role. And I thought... I got this. So I get on the bike and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how the hell? Because I knew I was going to fall if if I had attempted that. So, and then I see over to the side, there's a there's a street in there. I say, the hell with that. I just I just cut in there and I'm literally walking the damn thing around. And then I came out like I was riding it and, and roll back. He goes, Alan says, great, great job, great. And uh, David uh, comes up to me, gives me a, an elbow, and he goes, well, I guess you got it, Fuck. In my French, um, and so uh, so that that was uh, that was my first my first break. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, probably the first thing I ever saw you in was Air Force One. Uh, um, what was it? What kind of memories do you have of that shoot? And what was it like uh, doing fight scenes with Harrison Ford? It was it was wonderful. I'll tell you what. I, I uh, may I may I have one of those? Oh yeah, thank you. No problem. Um, you know, I, I I remember going in to meet uh, Wolfgang Peterson. And, 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 and so my agent said, well, they, they want to they wanna talk to you. And I said, okay, now go in. And uh, so I went in, and, uh, and uh, Wolfgang's sitting there. He sees me come in, and he says, uh, yeah, so we have a very important fight with Harrison Ford. Do you think you can do it? And I thought I was in there, of course, like all actors. We thought, well, you're going to make your character bigger, and uh, it's going to be great. And so I thought I was in there to talk about Boris Bazilev, my, my, my character. So I started to do that, and he and he listened for a few minutes, and he and he leaned forward, and he said, "Yeah, so we have a very important fight, Miss <laughs> Harrison Ford. Do you think you can do it?" And uh, and I and so I, I started out as a stunt man, so I thought, "Well, hell yeah, of course I can do the fight." Um, and and then he said, "You know, if if you should hit Harrison, that would be 
at the very least one million dollars that we closed down. And I said, ah, I get it, I get it. And come to find later that two other actors, when they heard that part, they said, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't want to do this, but, uh, but I said, absolutely, I want to do it. So on the set, and I, and I was on that movie, this is when, when the A movies, you know, they would take eight months, a year to film. And so I'm, I'm basically a glorified extra, and, and that's not a bad thing. An extra is a good thing. I started out as an extra, and, uh, and I remember walking by the, the kids who were, who were themselves extras, and they would say, hey, can you, where did you study? Can you give us some, some clues? And, and, and I was, nobody knew who I was. So I, I said, I'll, I'll tell you what, when, when you see that gentleman walk on the set, meaning Harrison Ford, uh, pay attention to him, watch what he does. That's that's your lesson. That's your school right there. He was a gentleman. Had to be a 200-person crew. He knew everybody's name and was an absolute gentleman. Um, so I, I, I basically spent the time as a as a glorified extra. And on the day, I remember, and uh, nobody nobody remembered my name. Uh, it's uh, whatever. It's lunch. You know, <laughs> go get lunch. On the day, uh, so we did the fight, and that fight probably takes maybe 45 seconds. It took three days to film. And I remember the lead-up to the fight. So, so this, uh, this, this whole set, the, the, uh, the Air Force One plane set, was on a gimbal. And there was a guy, much as, 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 as you would drive you know, heavy equipment, he had all the levers and the gears to make the, the set move in certain ways and do, do certain things. And I remember that Harrison was, was checking the set out. He was walking along, and there was a pit... Where, where all of these hoses and bibs and metal pipes are sticking up. And, and the deal was, of course, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So, so he should have gimbaled it that way. That would have thrown Harrison this way. What he did is he gimbaled it this way, and it threw Harrison into the pit. And he, bar- and he went down, and, and he barely, this, this piece of metal just missed his head. And so this is to show you what a classy guy he is. And he gets up, and he brushes himself off. And he looks over at the guy and he says, let's do that again, but let's do it right. This time. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I saw that and the whole set was like on pins and needles. But, uh, but even at the fight. And so now, I, I, having done the first uh, series, we actually started in the galley where that, uh, where that fridge was uh, before we did the fight uh, just outside. And, uh, and Harrison, of course, uh, we fight and he, and he, and he throws me through the, through the fridge. And... Uh, the hardest thing to watch is is to watch uh, a fellow stuntman uh, have trouble, and so they had hired this guy to, to double for me, and he was uh, he was, all he had to do was a, what they call a bulldog, a simple bulldog. He's rushing Harrison. He throws a punch. Harrison ducks and and throws him over his shoulder, and the guy just couldn't do it. And and after seeing it twice, where the guy couldn't do it, I could tell that the that the stunt coordinator was getting agitated. And so, you know, they wanted me there to see the, you know, to see the action, and and I, I said to the stunt coordinator, I said, you know, I've I've, I've seen the action. I'm 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 just gonna step outside because I, I kind of knew what was coming. This guy was very nervous, and you know, you're you're fighting the the the, the A plus guy of, of A listers, who, as I say, is a gentleman. He wasn't making any, you know, he wasn't being rude or crude or putting any pressure on the guy but you could tell that the stunt coordinator was and I, ju- I just felt really uncomfortable so I had to I had to get out of the room so I, I left the room and uh, come to find out uh, they, they come to me and they said yeah, can you do this and I said yeah I can do it so I did it uh, and, and then uh, as the fight pursued um, ensued rather uh, I remember uh, I remember Mr. Peterson coming and looking at walking by with his hands behind his back and he says Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> and, he kept, and so I thought, okay, that's two Andrews. That's got to be good. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so we broke for lunch and then came back to do the scene where where Harrison and I are fighting. He, uh, I believe it's a it's a MP five that I have a H and K, and and so he, he he rams my arm and 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 the beautiful thing about Harrison again is that. A lot of the A-listers, when so so a fight starts in a big screen, big you know, big you see the whole thing. Then it comes into a middle, and then of course it comes over the shoulder of one actor and looks at the other as he's getting punched and and reverses. And on the reverse, that 
gives all of the A-listers, uh, that's their cue to go have a, a coffee or lunch. But, uh, but Harrison stuck around, and he was just off camera. He said, that's it, Andy, throw another one, man. Throw one. Yeah, yeah, you're doing great. You're doing all right. I mean, I was in, I was in seventh heaven. Seventh heaven, so yeah. And, and you worked with him again on the Indiana Jones movie as well. I, I did indeed. I did indeed. And I, I, won't, I won't go too far into, into that other than to say that uh, uh, Mr. Spielberg and I didn't see, didn't see eye to eye. I had been working as, a, as an actor at that time for about 30 years. And when I showed up, and, and the, 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 the premise was that uh, there would be four of us so-called Russian actors, uh, and one of us was going to be the, the head honcho bad guy. And I, I thought, well, I like those odds. I, 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 I'm, I feel confident about what I can do. And and I was pretty sure I would get it. Come to find out they had already chosen uh, their bad guy. And when I saw the call sheet, and it said uh, Russian soldier number three, I thought, hmm, 30 years of work, and I'm, I'm Russian soldier number three. So I, I asked very simply, I said, could we give the character a name? Uh, maybe even do a, a doff of the cap to Bazilov, call him Boris? Um, no. And I said, okay, and it, it wasn't out of spite. I just, I just, I didn't feel good about uh, myself, my ego, and, and then uh, my fans seeing me take a role as Russian soldier number three. So I said, well, would it be all right if I if I didn't get any credit at all? I, I won't take any credit. And from that day on, I was the hated one. And I literally I got called out. I know if, if if you've seen the movie, there's a set where where there there there's some 500 actors on it. It's the Russian camp, and and then I come up, I give them the book, and and we're gonna we're gonna walk further through the jungle to find this one sign, of course, that'll explain the next uh, you know the next series of of, of, of steps that we have to take. And uh, and I was I was following Harrison. So we cut on the night before. The next morning, we we would all follow Harrison. I, I with my now I've, I believe it was a Kalashnikov that I had an AK. And so I'm I'm I'm, I'm walking along and and I hear I hear off to the side. And it was it was very much like if you've ever been in an equine center. You know, there's the arena and then there's the there's the, 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 the seats for the people. And so uh, Mr. Spielberg and his entourage were over there, and everybody kind of off. They had their own area. And I heard, and you'll forgive my French, or forgive Stevens, um, he said, uh, What is that motherfucker doing on my set? And, uh, and I knew immediately that, that, that he was referring to me, and I just kept walking. And, and I hear it again. I said, "What is that motherfucker doing on my set?" <laughs> and uh, and then his uh, his uh, his assistant comes over and he says, "Oi, Gab Gab wants you to leave the set, mate. You you got to leave the set." And I said, "Very good." I handed my handed my gun over and and I on my way out I said, "The name is Andrew, Mr. Spielberg." And I walked off the set and uh, and that got him even more riled. And so so you won't see a whole lot of me in that. Um, I, I did end up uh, on on the on the cutting room floor. Oh, but uh, but I must say, coming showing up in New Mexico at the at the uh, the big hangar where the hangar of boxes that go on forever. Uh, first day, I remember, uh, and so we're we're all showing up and and I hear uh, I look up. And I happened to catch Mr. Ford's eye, and he says, Andy! And now this has been a while. This has been, goodness, 10 years plus. And he, he, uh, he remembered the name. I, I was blown away. Oh, that's cool. Blown away. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, so during the pandemic, I had a chance to go back and watch all kinds of TV shows I, I used to love. And you were in a bunch of them. We all did. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to ask you about being on Lost. Mm. Uh, what was it like working with that crew, and what was it like filming in Hawaii? An actor's dream. An actor's dream. Uh, uh, filming in Paradise, and 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 the role. Of course, my 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 first role. I they flew me to Hawaii, and I was there. And, and, and I literally, I was there for two days, um, and I was directed by. I, I believe it was it was Jack Bender who directed the the first one. And he says, okay, now I want you to step up on that apple crate and just look into the lens. And I said, okay. And I, I was worried because I had heard from the other actors, you're not going to get a script until you say the words and they'll hand it to you and, and you got to learn it. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, man, they're, they're about to hand me an encyclopedia worth of words and I'm going to blow it. 
And and so he said, no, no, you're just gonna you're gonna step up on the crate and look into the lens. And so I, I looked up and I, I looked in with my eye. And he says, okay, cut, great, that was good. <laughs> and and I said, okay. He says, no, you're wrapped. And I, I said, okay. You brought me to Hawaii to couldn't I have done that from home? But but uh, no, sure enough. And 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 on my way out, they said, you'll be back. And I, I thought in my I said, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> so uh, uh, thankfully, though, I I, uh, I did get to come back, and I I, I got to come back. And uh, and uh, die several times as as Mikhail, and and uh, the, the producers asked me. Um, they, they said so. Um, so what do you think? What do you what do you think's going on? And and I for for whatever weird reason I said. Uh, and this was right at uh, right at the beginning of my time with the show. I said uh, uh, demigods and avatars. I, that's that's just what came to mind. And. They looked at me and they thought, "Hmm, okay, next." <laughs> but uh, but so so I so I did come back and then I, I believe my next my next time back was a was an episode called Enter Seventy Seven. I'll never forget, never forget uh, Curly the Bull. What a what a beautiful big dumb animal that was. But he, he was he was a sweetheart, and all he wanted was the crackers that I had in this bucket. And so he kept nudging me, and 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 before, so they had called action, and and Curly. Curly wanted the scene to start a little earlier, so, so he's knocking me into the fence, and this is one of these fences that that, that that you put up. You know, they hook into the sections, hook into each other, and he's knocking me, and, and each time I'm going further into this fence, and I'm coming back, and finally I got a little ticked off, and I, I kind of took a chance, and I threw an elbow at, and caught him in the jaw, so he calmed down a little bit, didn't do anything, followed the bucket, we did our thing, and then then off to. Uh, off to the rest of Enter 77 in that wonderful fight with Saeed, which he did mostly himself, and uh, and and so I, I was I was in my I was in my glory. I mean, anytime I can I can do the physical stuff and 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 sort of uh, uh, sort of knit that in within into the into the acting. I think that's uh, a lot of actors. Uh, uh, don't don't like that. Don't they? They like to keep that separate. For me, it makes perfect sense to keep that all together, to keep it all one, you know. And so that that truly was my favorite episode, and and uh, I made friends to this day with Evangeline uh, and Naveen and uh, and uh, and Terry, of course. And so um, again, and then and that day, so we walked through the jungle, and then I am fried through a microwave fence. <laughs> And uh, and uh, we're taking a little time. I remember, so I put an Alka-Seltzer in my mouth, one of these fizzers, and they're taking their time to to get going. And my my face is kind of like starting to blow up, and I'm saying, mm -hmm, you know, we we got to get going here. And and I, and I remember just about when it was when it was time for that all to come out after I go through the fence. Uh, it was a, it was a relief. <laughs> you know, get that get that out. But uh, good memories. I remember. Uh, I'd come back home and my neighbors would say, "Oh, what island were you on?" And I'd say, "Oahu." And they, "Oh, Oahu! It's so full of concrete, so many sidewalks." Uh, and and my, my retort to that was, "You know, go spend 18 hours in a jungle. You're going to go want to walk on a sidewalk." You know, so, but all in all, just a just a beautiful experience. And I, I must say, a large part of that was the Hawaiian crew, who were absolutely wonderful. Rain would often break us up. I mean, we'd be doing the scene, then it would rain. So the umbrellas would have to go over all the electrical and make sure that that uh, you know that was safeguarded, and then immediately uh, the, the the crew would pull out their five-gallon buckets and the guitar, and they'd be singing, and everybody and they'd be beating on the thing, and that and everybody would participate. So this this kind of this kind of joy, you know, joie de vivre, you know, if you will, uh, was what just came through this this crew, and and it infected us us uh, sort of. Uh, uh, Prissy actors, you know. <laughs> it was wonderful, oh, and of course they always had their surfboards with them too, night or day. <laughs> Lunchtime, no lunch, surf. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So getting the Wishmaster, I actually hadn't seen that until this week. To, to admit that to you, uh, but really, you, you're going to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting movie. Uh, thought it was a very cool idea for a movie. What was the origin of you getting that role? Uh, I think uh, John Esposito. I'll say John Esposito, who uh, who helped write Graveyard Shift, 
was a friend of Robert Kurtzman's, and 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 uh, and Robert shared with me, and he shared on other panels that uh, that John had reached out to him because they were they were already in the process of, of writing the Wishmaster, and and uh, John reached out and said, you know, I think we've got your guy, and why why he he would say that from from uh, from having. Uh, written the character of Danson and, and Graveyard Shift, I have no idea. Um, I really don't. Not that I'm denigrating it. I'm, I'm just thinking, how would you make that connection? I don't know. Um, I met I met Robert. I went in for a casting, and my my concern was was so this ancient being. How how does he speak? What what does his voice sound like? What what would the cadence of his boy, uh, voice be? And and of course his vocabulary. And, um, and and Robert was was very much in tune with that, and so I think I think it was that connection with with Mr. Esposito, and and my concern, which I which I shared with Robert Kurtzman. I said, you know, uh, this is all great. I mean, so we did a lot of the Nathaniel scenes, um, and and even then the voice wasn't there because I, I I wanted to make sure that Nathaniel was played as if that was the monster, and this human thing was very itchy and. Awfully constraining, uh, and uh, and so it it was sort of the reverse. The the, the monster and the mask was the human, um, and so I, I uh, came to to the to the first day of filming and a little bit of, uh, of serendipity. I had uh, I had uh, eaten that morning in makeup, and the most embarrassing thing, humbling thing, was was then to go uh, to for the fix-ups before after lunch and before going back into filming and. And having the the makeup artist's fish shredded pork out from between my my mask and my face, and I thought, well, this this is not cool. This this can't be happening. So um, I switched. Uh, I would have big big breakfasts in the morning, and then I would do uh, protein shakes. And the protein shakes, of course, they have the whey, and it helped coat my throat. Um, so do uh, so do jelly beans, by the way. I would eat jelly beans, just quick snacks to to keep that sort of. Uh, sugary whey thing going in the throat and I wouldn't clear it and that of course would, would help it become more gurgly, more earthy uh, uh, and so I I, uh, I realized that thankfully early on and that uh, that really helped the, that was the first night, I, I don't know if, if you remember the, 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 the opening uh, outfit the, the costume included that, that, that hood, that hooded uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, gown that he was wearing and uh, and just the, the voice that came out from there. And, and if I may, at the end of the thing, we'll do a special thing. I'll, I'll do a quote that I, that I love from the movie for you. Um, and so really it was, it was about the voice. Um, and, and then, as I say, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Robert saw something that I, I as yet didn't. And uh, how long did you have to sit in a makeup chair every day? The full makeup was a four-and-a-half-hour ordeal. Oh, yeah, and I remember that we would, uh, if it were full body makeup, we would do the body first and come to the last bits, which would be the brows and uh, and the uh, the eyes underneath the eyes, the bags, if you will, uh, because we we had to get the contacts in first. The contacts could only be in for a certain amount of time a day, and so uh, I remember uh, I remember, uh, you know, okay, the, the the eyes are going on, so here here come the contacts and. Uh, on a set with uh, with a lot of uh, dust and and uh, the fans going constantly, so it was it was quite uh, quite invasive. Oh, but uh, uh, for the full, uh, it was about four and a half hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, does anyone else have any questions? Uh, I got one. Um, I was wondering how it was like to make another forty-eight hours. How fun was that making that movie? It was very fun. It was very fun. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we uh, uh, so. I had the bike, I think, for about six months before before the movie. They said, you know, they they took me down to to to, to Bartels and you know, gave me the bike, uh, pretty much the same same one I was uh, I was to ride in the movie, uh, and uh, and I rode it for for six months before the movie, and and that that was that was the funnest part, other than than than. So I had three close calls uh, with the bike on set. Uh, one of them w- was uh, when I'm shooting at Eddie's character yeah. uh, in the bus, and so we had an agreement. Uh, Alan Graff, we we uh, so there was a fainted, a very faded line 
in the center of this uh, Indian highway, it was called. Uh, and it was out in the desert, an abandoned highway. And, and so Alan said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the bus to the line, but never over. And I'll, I'll, I'll veer away. And then you bring your bike to the bus and never over. So that we never, no matter if we're coinciding or not, we'll never, well, we overlapped one time. And my <laughs> knee, my knee hit the bus. I didn't go down. It, I got, it got wobbly for a second. Uh, I was very lucky there. A second time was outside of uh, filming in Modesto, outside of Folsom Prison. And so we're, we're riding to the point where I'm, I'm looking down and I, and I see Eddie. And, and, and there was this patch of mud, and, and, you know, muddy, muddy water. You couldn't see the water. It already sort of soaked into the mud. But as soon as we hit it, man, that got squirrely. And I, I must have looked like a rag doll because all of a sudden the, 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 the tail fished out. And, I, and, and my legs went down, and I'm trying to run, probably doing about 28 miles an hour. And so my legs are, 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 are hitting, trying to, you know, keep it, keep it up. And thankfully, that, that straightened out, so, so nothing bad there. And then finally, uh, that was, uh, would have been the first day out in the desert. And, and riding a Harley in sand is, uh, if you want to have some scary fun, Go do that. Uh, I had to do it a few times before I could, because I had to come, uh, I had to do a wide turn, and it kept wanting to skip out. But again, I uh, didn't go down, so I was lucky. Um, but it was a, it was a whole hell of a lot of fun, and uh, a lot of people would think that uh, that you know Eddie would be a crack up on set, and he wasn't. He was very serious, very serious about you know showing up, uh, knowing his lines, doing his work. Um, but but great memories again. Yeah. Because my favorite line from you when you're looking in the binoculars, you say uh, about Big Nolte's character, pig fucker and a blue caddy. (laughs) 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 Yes, indeed. (laughs) Words to live by. (laughs) One of those lines I still remember. (laughs) Thanks uh, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. I want to know... I saw Graveyard Shift, mm. and I loved it because I read the short story. I read all the short stories in that book of anthologies. Are you a Stephen King fan? Um, I am two things. I am a Stephen King fan, and I am dyslexic. So uh, thank goodness for audiobooks. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, but I am indeed. And, and uh, a, fellow, uh, uh, a fellow actor, Denise Crosby, one of my favorite Stephen King uh, movies, uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I am a fan, but but to my uh, to my disgrace, I I'm not a very good reader, and I and I I should force myself more to read, but I don't, I don't. So so uh, I will have to give up my own soul, I suppose. <laughs> but thank you for the question. Can I have your books? <laughs> have to dig them out, but yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you for coming today. I think everyone here really did. Oh, well, that's very really kind. It a lot. Thank you. Thank you for um, coming here. Yeah. You've worked with Wolfgang Peterson, Walter Hill, who I'm a big fan of, Harrison Ford. And uh, so you've done, you know, the triple, what I would call the triple A stuff. You've oh. been there. But you've also been in, in smaller productions. Mm. Which do you prefer, prefer and why? If you could go into that a little bit. Well, I, I think, uh, I think, if, if I could answer for all actors, we would of course prefer the the A-listers and to work with the you know with with the gods of Olympus of, of Hollywood, absolutely. Uh, and and being on that sometimes though is a, is a is a bit of a of a lonely thing uh, counterintuitively. It can be uh, as I, as I mentioned with with the Air Force One project, you you are uh, sort of forgotten until you're put to use, and so that that can be. That can, that can be, you know, so, sort of uh, humbling. Um, nothing wrong with being humbled. Um, but uh, but on the smaller projects, uh, there's a little more control and, and a little more contribution, I would say, um, either expected or or, or uh, volunteered by the actors. Uh, I will say that uh, my favorite project is the one I'm, I'm about to work on. Uh, whether and, and I happen to be working on a project of my own. Um, all I will say is that it's a, it's a love letter to to me growing up, being a fan of the genre, and uh, and uh, being a fan of uh, I mean the superhero monsters, Frankenstein, 
uh, Dracula, the Wolfman. And so um, I won't tell you which of those uh, is, is, is going to feature in, in, in my upcoming project, but it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a twist about how, how this, this particular monster came about. Yeah, unbeknownst even to him. <laughs> yes, sir. I just recently caught Oblivion. Oh, cool, cool. And it, it's kind of a shame since uh, I waited so long to watch it, you know, because I've been a full moon fan since Puppet Master. But you seem to have an off, an awesome time making that film. It was it, Charles Band. It's, it must have been a circus. What it was. was that like? It was. It was wonderful. Uh, we were in 1993. We were in uh, uh, Bucharest in uh, in uh, Romania, and. Uh, you know, great, just beautiful people. I, I, I remember how, how giving they were, how, how, how charitable. And, and it's often in, in the cultures when you travel, you'll find that the most giving people are those who have the, the least. And that was uh, certainly certainly uh, true of, uh, of Romania. Um, I was there for three months. Before I, before I went over there, I started uh, learning Romanian. I picked up a book. And, uh, and I started teaching myself Romanian because I, I knew it was going to be there for a while. When I first got there, I, 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 could, uh, I could find uh, the bathroom, uh, I could order my food. Uh, by the time I left, I remember I was, I was uh, giving interviews in Romanian. And in between the, uh, the, the town, this was, a, this was a brand new town that uh, Vlad Paunescu had built for these, uh, particularly for this, and it was a western town, typical western town, saloon, and you had the boardwalk, and you had the center of town, the main street. Uh, I just, I just, being three months being there. At first, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a real soul drain. Uh, uh, let me put it this way. So, the the beautiful thing was that that uh, Musetta Vander, uh, we all, Irwin Keys, we all. We all struck because they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't feed the extras. They wouldn't feed them with us. They would have to either bring their own food or or, or wait to eat uh, until they got home. Um, and so so we all struck. And and uh, uh, George Takei and Julie Newmar as well. They said no. If they're not eating, we're not eating. Yeah. So of course uh, that was a, that was one beautiful thing. Another thing that I remember from that was a guy the their version of a stunt coordinator. Uh, and I, I, I say that a little bit derogatorily, lining up the actors who had who had uh, been there for extras, the guys, and he said, "Okay, I need somebody to fall off that balcony into the dirt. I've got a pack of Marlboro and a can of Coke." <laughs> and, and that sounds funny, but uh, at that time, uh, a, a can of Coke and a pack of Marlboros would buy him a week's worth of food oh, wow. uh, on the contraband on the on the black market. So. You know there were there were good parts and, and parts that were just you know ugly, but um, uh, overall the it's 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 the end product, uh, and I and I must say that was in its own way just just it really was the first cowboys versus aliens, you know, and so I have uh, I have good memories from it, not not a real good horse rider my 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 sister, uh, the rest of my family they they were all you know equestrians. Uh, I was not. I was the guy I'd get on a horse, and the horse would look for the nearest tree or rock to scrape me off on. And uh, and so I, I was freaked out about having to ride, especially I had one eye covered, and I had a mask on the eye. I couldn't see a whole lot, so I just had to, you know, just just go with the go with the flow. <laughs> but uh, but good memories, and I'm glad that uh, that uh, those movies have legs. You know, uh, a lot of a uh, lot of full moon stuff does. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I got one more. Oh. <laughs> uh, after you did the Night of 48 Hours and um, Graveyard Ship, both both Paramount movies, and both of them had producer Ralph S. Singleton. Yes, yes, yes. Then you did Toy Soldiers, which was a lot of fun. You played a great villain in that one. Thank and you. how fun was that one, making that movie? It was It was very fun. It was very fun. And, and I... I uh, It, it's always kind of nice. So, so I remember the the casting director asking me, "Do, do you know any any Latin Hispanic actors?" Do you? And I said, "Well, not a, not a whole lot, but I but I have some friends who are Hispanic." And at uh, at that time, uh, one of the first friends that I made when I when I came to California uh, was a guy named uh, Jerry Valdez. And uh, this uh, so all all of these years later, happy to say, he was inducted into the band's 
uh, a skateboarder's hall of fame. He was a, he was a skateboarder, uh, and uh, the first guy to go uh, to go 360 in a culvert in a concrete culvert and not crack his head open. Um, I uh, I. You know, I, I mean, traveling around, I, I can give you a little bit of an anecdote. I remember, I remember being in a in a bar, having a beer and a burger, uh, in the hotel we were staying in in, in San Antonio, where uh, where this uh, first scene, the opening scene with the helicopter, was to be filmed. And so I, I was sitting there next to a gentleman, and uh, I said hi. We we cheered, uh, toasted. And uh, and he just kept shaking his head and grumbling, and I, and I looked over and I said, "What? Uh, everything okay?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, I got a got a helicopter thing to do tomorrow, and I'm just not sure about it." Now the producers had already asked me, "Will you do the helicopter? Will you be in the?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I said, "Well," uh, and so immediately I thought, oh, "Okay, well, well, what's what's the problem?" He said, "Well, I got to take off from this roof." And I got to make a turn before that building right across there, and you know, whatever, uh, 50 yards across the way, another building. And I go, yeah. He says, yeah, there's a lot of wind coming up there. I just don't know. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I finished my beer and my burger. I went to the room and I called the producer and I said, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that helicopter thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why all you see in that scene is an arm push it out. Because yeah, I, I, I mean, I do take my chances, but I figured helicopters and a guy who doesn't trust himself. <laughs> Not a great combination. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Uh, with regards to like your stunt, uh, your stunt work and the physical aspect of your acting, um, do you have like a memory that you could share with us that you would think more than the other times? I guess. Uh, and and in what aspect was that? I'm sorry. Uh, stunt work and acting. Oh, uh, oh, like oh, any, oh, Like any memory that you think more about than the other times? I guess. I think yes. Um, there's one in another 48 hours where where my father was on the set. And, uh, and he wasn't too excited about me being an actor, becoming an actor. And, and so, um, so he showed up, and, and, uh, and, and I thought, and this was the moment where, where Eddie uh, kicks Cherry out the window, and they have, they have this, this, uh, this uh, uh, leaded glass window right behind me. And uh, I remember Greg Elam, who was the stunt coordinator for uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. They called him the Prince, and he was Eddie's uh, double. Uh, and so he told me, and he, and he pointed to me, if I may. Okay. He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you right here, and don't worry, you'll go out the window." And I said, "Okay." He said, I, "I just, I just need you not to flinch. You just need to stand there and and, and raise the gun, and then then I'll kick you." And, uh, and that's how it happened. And and uh, and uh, so I, I was quite happy about that, and, and and having my father on the set to, you know, to see that it was, uh, you know, I felt like wow. Kind of short, so that was, was kind of neat. Thanks for the question, sir. Uh, yes, I was wondering what was your first thought when you read the script for Faust, and how was it to work with uh, Brian Usna? It was wonderful, wonderful to work with Brian Usna. I've worked with him a couple of times. We did Tarzan as well, uh, uh, filmed down in uh, down in Florida at uh, at the Disney Studios there. Uh, you know, again. Um, for me, the, the the dialogue is 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 not is not a problem. It's how how it's going to sound. What demeanor does the character take? Um, so I I, uh, I was I was worried about that. I wanted to make sure that I hit that correctly. If you remember the character of Faust, so we filmed in Barcelona. Um, I had lived in excuse me in Barcelona for five years. Had actually gone to a university there, uh, Pedralbes. And uh, and it was nice for me to come back and be able to uh, invite my friends. So in, in the summers, I remember in Barcelona after after school, between you know and the time off, uh, I would go up to Calella, a place called Calella de Mar, and I uh, I would uh, rent paddle boats. That's what I did, and I slept on the beach. That was uh, and for me it was just such a nomadic, such a cool, just just. Off, off kilter lifestyle. I, I, I just absolutely loved it. So um, it was nice for me all that while later. This would have been 73 when I was doing 74, 75. And then to be able to come back, what, 20 some years later and invite my friends down to the set. I, I told them, I said, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. And they said, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for them to be on the set, uh, just, the, just the pride that they had in, in, in seeing their friend uh, achieve a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, well, of, of the goals that he wanted to, uh, that was wonderful. I'll, I'll never forget, um, I had shared with one of the fans that was at the table earlier, I'll never forget, uh, so, so you know that, that white hair, 
it was a Sunday morning early, and I was I was uh, on my way down to uh, the boqueria, the the the, the market, uh, and uh, I wanted to have some fresh uh, fish and just just kind of walk down by the port. I came around. I, I had this this black sort of uh, raincoat on and and the white hair, and I came around a corner. And this is how I knew the the makeup and that that we were in the right place. I came around a corner. And God bless her, a little sweet little old lady came, came coming around the other way. And she looked at me and she said, "Adios, adios mio," and she crossed herself. And, uh, and I thought, and, and and I got a little teed off at that, so I kind of I grumbled a bit and she scurried away and, and so I, I shared that later with the makeup uh, people and they said cool <laughs> um, but it was wonderful and filming in Barcelona, absolutely wonderful and Brian's great, Brian is uh, I mean he's he's specific but, but he takes his time in filming, they were long long days but uh, well worth it as, as far as I remember and, and I'm concerned Thank you very much. Thank you for the question. Sir. I always uh, laugh when I see in the horror community people asking for a horror version of The Expendables because obviously they've never seen Wishmaster. <laughs> that movie is a who's who of horror. It's yeah. got England from Nightmare. It's got True. Hotter from Friday. It's got Reggie Bannister from Phantasm. Mm -hmm. Tony uh, Todd. Tony yeah. Todd, Candyman, and even Buck Flower. who's like Absolutely. the Dick Miller of horror. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's all, it's all held together by Andrew Dimmock. Oh, what a very, very kind. Film. Very kind. And the second movie was actually the film. Yeah. I my only problem with part two, if I can be critical, a little bit, was the conclusions were the same. Like the way to deal with yeah, it yeah. was exactly the same. I'm like, ah, okay. And then here comes part three, and I'm like, oh yeah, part three, and it's Bruce Payne. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? What well, happened? well, you know, a friend and I wrote number three, and oh, really? we presented it, and and presented it with with the. Uh, with, with the idea that, of course, they would want to increase the budget and, and keep the specials going, uh, they did not. And, and uh, come to find out that uh, that their budget was uh, less than a quarter of, of, of the Wishmaster one. And unbeknownst yet to me was the the fact that they were they intended to film three and four on that same budget. They didn't share that with me when we when we sat and talked. Um, I presented the script with my with my co-writer, and, and they held it up and they said, "So, is this what you want to go with?" And I thought, "Well, yeah. I mean, I wrote it, and yes, I'm presenting it. Yeah." Um, incidentally, the movie started at the uh, at a party at the UN. There are no gargoyles, as we know, on that building, but in in this movie there are, and they of course start coming down the building as the party's going on, and they tear the hell out of the party, and so uh, it was. Uh, it was specials, but the kind that pay off and the kind that, that I, I think the, the fan would expect. Long story short, I, I didn't think that what I read was, was honoring um, either the franchise or the fan, so I decided we decided to part ways. And by the way, uh, number three and four make great coasters. <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> Let me just go to the back, Throughout your career, who's been the most supportive and critical like support that you've had? And what knowledge would you bestow upon everybody here um, for their life? So, so especially as it comes to to the theatrical world. When it comes to the theatrical world, who is most helpful, most mm -hmm. uh, influential, like mm -hmm. somebody who has been so supportive of you, and then just in like general, the second question. I would say my my coach, my acting coach, and and when I, so when I first went decided to to go get serious about it and and, and get a coach who, who knew what he was doing, uh, that was Milton Katsellas. He, uh, he directed and wrote, I believe, uh, Butterflies Are Free. Uh, uh, and I believe Goldie Hawn got awarded or, or, or nominated at least for that. Um, he was brutally honest uh, and, and, and just, just a wonderful, wonderful coach. And, and one of the things that I remember about him, he would say as an actor, when you're thinking about this character saying, yes, 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 consider the no. 
And I thought, wow, that that's that was deep, and that that certainly helped me a lot. And then and then fellow friends, fellow fellow uh, actors, Tammy Lauren has been absolutely wonderful. The, the, the two heroines in one and two, and Holly Fields have been very supportive and very helpful. Uh, I mentioned my friend William Forsythe, who who there was a group of us who studied with Milton and and came out of that uh, that school, uh, and and William has always been. You know, has always been very supportive, uh, and I and I do go to him, and I and for some like like uh, moments of frustration, what in the hell? And and we discuss stuff. Uh, we've been through. Uh, so I've been, I've been married twice. Uh, William has, I believe, twice or three times as well. So we on on that level as well. You know, we communicated and supported each other. Um, but the key there, the crux, I think is to have a support system and and not to be too proud to to ask for help or insight or 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 even a hack so to speak if if uh, if you know you have a friend who who knows a, or has a hack by all means you know take advantage of that <laughs> be willing to give back as well yeah thank you mm. cool cool yeah. yes i just um it's like a two-part kind of thing. First, I I understand the whole say yes. As we were always taught yes and, but I never um, realized about consider the no, mm-hmm. which I think is really, it's a cool way to put your head into mm-hmm. that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, I want to ask as you as an actor, what is it that draws you to horror genre and and you know being in these horror films I, I, the genre is amazing um and not a lot of actors like to yeah, be part yeah. of that genre I, I, but what what I draws you to it i don't understand uh, as 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 to your last com, uh, comment i don't understand the the hesitation or the or the i literally was asked and it was on the set of indiana jones crystal skull i was asked by by an actor fellow actor why do you do that why 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 would you do that stuff and and i just i i just couldn't fathom the question for me it goes back to when i was a kid and and mom wouldn't let me watch excuse me any any kind of horror anything anything untoward i had to sneak all of my horror i i i, I remember waking up at two in the morning and i think maybe maybe mom's knew she might have might have known but two in the morning scaring the hell out of myself and then of course i'd i'd wake up and i'd have breakfast i'd be really quiet and, well, what, what's what's going on with you oh no i just you know, didn't sleep too good you know but but uh, it goes back as i said to the to the icons to 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 boris karlov uh bea lugosi uh, uh all of all of these these wonderful actors who i mean they gave so much i mean when you look at uh, at a vincent price movie it seems so facile so so like he's yeah. he's not there not paying attention but really with if you if you do pay attention he's he's right in the moment and and i grew up with that and so anything that i do is uh comes out of that love for for theater mm-hmm. and and i mean how how much more fantastical can you get right. uh and 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 just outside of, of everyday life than than the sci-fi and horror genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just you can't can't beat that. And for and for a kid, I was I was mentioning before, and uh, I would uh, I would I would include this particular movie. Did you guys ever see Jason and the Argonauts? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Oh man, that that's both sci-fi and horror. And for a little kid, and I remember, and I saw this in Venezuela. I remember my mom drove a Corvair. It was a it was a convertible, uh, and I was the kid in the back seat. Actually, my sisters had their feet on my back and a blanket over me, because it cost you know a few extra bucks to get in. And so you know if you could save one ticket, I was I was the kid that got snuck in. And then I pop up in the blanket and I got to watch Jason the Argonauts and then all of those the never ending parade of skeletons coming up out of the ground. How how is he gonna how is he gonna get past this? And then the big old metal dude with the uh, with the heel with the screw in his heel that 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 he had to figure out how to how to uncork. Uh, it was just mind blowing, and and of course, big big tribute to to Harryhausen. 
I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I, there's a lot of that in Wishmaster, incidentally. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a sort of a doff of the cap to, to that. Um, but I, I love the genre. I'm a geek for it. Yeah, same. That's, I think. Have you ever seen, um, it's from the 30s, Freaks? I have seen snippets of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. And, and it is freaky, just what I've seen. Maybe maybe I was too freaked out. Watch the whole thing, and it's, I love it. It is absolutely one of my favorite I'll, I'll have early to, horror movies. I'll it's have to do that. creepy as heck. And it's from the 30s, you say? Yeah, it's all black and white, and it all takes place in a circus with a freak show, and it's like, okay. It, uh, it killed Todd Browning's career. It did, It, it yeah. was a little bit exploitative because all the freaks in the movie were, were like, real actual freaks. I remember at the, yeah. at, at the dinner, so the bit of the snippet that I did see, that, that dinner scene, it, it just yeah, it, it made me uncomfortable, almost yeah. like a voyeur. Uh, was, sort of taking advantage of, of freaks, and and it, I, I didn't maybe maybe that's part of it. I didn't feel comfortable about that, so I'll have to revisit it. And if anything goes awry, I'll come see you. <laughs> uh, actually, it's about that time. Uh, oh, is it? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Can we do one more question? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Thank you. I just wanted to know uh, what advice you would give to an actor who's just starting out there. Oh, that's a that's a beautiful question. Are, would that be you? Good for you. Good for you. Are you are you in a class? No, uh, but I did a few years ago. I kind of lost touch. I've done that theater, like three plays. Mm-hmm. I did do a class. I would say, you know, my my coach. Another thing, great thing that he would say is, you know, you're in a class. You're acting. You're up on stage. You're doing a scene. You're an actor. Um, get yourself into a class and get get uh, again. A support group is very very important. People around you that uh, that that are friends and believe in you and uh, and and know about uh, you know there's highs and lows. Uh, make sure you have those people in your life. Uh, I will I will ask one thing of you people. Um, take a little bit of a journey with me. Close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to give you a quote. While your eyes are closed, please take out your wallets and put them on your right knee. <laughs> no, but let me let me do this. Uh, let me let me enjoy this with you. Close your eyes, please, sir. Close. Thank you. Run, insect. Run and tell those you will what you will. Tell them there is something loose in their city. Something which feeds on wishes. But tell them quickly while you still have a soul. Thanks for listening. To hear more We Got the Geek, check us out at www.wegotthegeek.com and on iTunes.